Main Street to Wall Street. Global business celebrity and former Fortune 100 C-suite executive Jeffrey Hazlett takes you inside the good, the bad, and the ugly of businesses today. Saddle up. It's time for All Business with Jeffrey Hazlett. There's no question the healthcare system is broken. Everyone overpays for subpar services compared to other developed nations, and it's costing both employers and working Americans. What can be done to curtail the high cost of healthcare? My guest today is Marshall Allen, and he's the author of Never Pay for the First Bill and Other Ways to Fight the Healthcare System and Win. As a journalist, he spent the last 15 years of his career investigating the healthcare industry and finding out what pitfalls we all fall into and how to take on the heavy bureaucratic system. Marshall, welcome to All Business with Jeffrey Hazlett. Thank you for having me here today, Jeff. It's really a pleasure. It was great. You know, I got a chance to hear you live on stage in Dallas a few months ago where you talked about this, and I'm just going to ask you why. Uh, why do we pay so much and get so little in return? Well, the healthcare system has developed a series of deceptive schemes to take more of our money than they should. I mean, that's frankly it. You know, we have American medicine is profiteering based on our sickness. And the dirty secret here is that the high cost of healthcare in the United States is not justified. It does not have to be this high. What we have is gamesmanship by people who are running the healthcare industry, and they have created deceptive schemes to take our money, starting with the fact that you can't even get a price up front. I mean, now the, the new hospital price transparency rule went into effect at the beginning of, the, at the beginning of this year. That's actually, I think, a game-changing uh, policy decision. Now hospitals are required to post their prices on a spreadsheet on their website for all their different procedures, and not just one price. They have to post their cash price, their Medicare price, and all the prices they have negotiated with individual insurance plans. This is a game-changing development because what we're finding now is that what people already knew who are are insiders, that the same patient might pay two, three, the same service just because of their insurance coverage. And that's really not justifiable. These, These prices are set by kind of horse trading behind the scenes based on market share, based on reputation. A hospital that's dominant in a market will demand more payment from insurance providers. And it's it's not based on value. And so now that this is being exposed and you're seeing journalists and researchers and third-party vendors starting to feed on this information, we're going to start seeing a lot more of these prices published. And this problem is going to become more and more clear and then what we can do about it becomes more and more clear. You know, when you talk about the pr- pricing being posted, do you think we're ever going to have a day where we're going to have a sell on gallbladder surgery or at, or at least some ability to shop around a little bit more? Yes. I mean, we're almost there now. In fact, if your hospital is not posting its prices for gallbladder surgery, they're in violation of the federal government's rules to post their prices. So look for the hospitals in your community, ask them to point you on their website, because unfortunately, they're not making it easy to find yet, right? Right now, you're having some early adopters complying with the rules, making searchable spreadsheets readily available on their websites, but a lot of them are kind of lagging along with complying with the rule. 
but we're seeing more and more comply with the rule and with different levels of information. Some of them are maybe following the letter of the law, but not the spirit of it, right? Making it hard to find that information or not being clear about it. But I think a day is coming soon where you're going to be able to look up the price of a gallbladder surgery, schedule it at a place where you know you'll get a better value and the the employer will save big money on their health plan and the individual employee will save big money on their health plan. And in my book, I really argue that the employee and the employer need to work together to tackle this problem. This This is going to take a team effort, but I think that employers and employees and working Americans can really turn around this problem of high healthcare costs in our country. Our audience today is full of business executives, owners, and solopreneurs. What can those executives do about the high cost of healthcare? Well, the place I would start is find a benefits advisor that is not funded by the insurance industry. A lot of people don't even know this. In fact, I put a chapter in my book about it. But the health insurance brokers who are advising employers are traditionally funded by the insurance carriers and by the pharmacy benefit managers and by the other vendors who are part of that employee benefits program. Now, if your advisor is being funded by United Healthcare or Aetna or Cigna, one of the other big insurance players, do you think that your advisor is going to give you a solution that might be outside of the realm of that insurance carrier that's paying uh, their, their paycheck? I don't think so. So I would start, if you're an employer, ask your advisor who is funding them. Ask them about their commissions and bonuses. There's actually a new federal law that's in place where starting in January 1st, employers are going to be required to ask these questions and the benefits brokers are going to be required to provide all of their sources of direct and indirect revenue. And that actually came about because of a story that I wrote back in 2019, about the way insurance brokers are funded by our healthcare industry and how then they're advising employers and employers are not getting independent advice. So if you're an executive, find out who's paying your broker and examine how that money is influencing the advice they give you. And then go find a broker. There's a lot of brokers now, the more progressive ones are taking direct consulting fees from the employers. These, these brokers and advisors are worth the money that they get. I'm not, well, some of them get more than they probably are worth, but you know what I mean? They, they, ha- they bring a lot to the table, but make sure that you as the employer are funding this person's paycheck. That way they're incentivized to find solutions that will work for you and work better for your employees. Well, in fact, one of those advisors or groups is the one that I met you at was a conference for Next Gen Benefits and uh, Nelson Griswold. For those yes. who are looking for an advisor like that, drop me a line. There's my email, Jeff at CSuiteNetwork.com. I'll be glad to put you in touch with Nelson's organization. They have a whole network of uh, professionals who do just exactly as Marshall said, work for you and bring you the best benefits. C-Suite Radio. Now, between 1970 and 2019, healthcare per capita increased 31-fold from $353 per person to over 11852 in 2019. Now, get that, folks, 31-fold. I don't see salaries going up 31-fold. I don't see the benefits that we receive. Now, medicine's certainly better than it was in the 70s, without question. 
So why do you think we're so far behind the other industrialized countries? Everybody talks about the U.S. being the best, but we're really far behind, aren't we? We're far behind. We get a lot less for our money than other developed nations. We spend about twice as much per person on healthcare in the United States compared to other developed countries. And it's working Americans and employers who are by far bearing the burden of this cost. Medicare and Medicaid pay the lowest rates to hospitals and doctors and other clinicians. The employer-sponsored plans are paying anywhere from two to five, even 10 times the Medicare prices, depending on the service. I look at this, I'm trying to reframe this and say, why are we discriminating against employers and working Americans by making them pay a lot more for the same service that a Medicare or Medicaid patient would get for a fraction of the price? I don't think this is a fair arrangement. And employers know this, right? Because employers have been funding these higher costs. And working Americans know this because the employers are not funding this alone. A lot of these costs are getting passed on to working Americans through the form of higher premiums, higher deductibles, higher co-payments, higher co-insurance, and reduced coverage. So not only are you paying more, but your health plan covers less. And so working Americans are being crippled by these high health care costs. And when you look at the rise of wages, economists have done studies that show that the rising cost of health care is consuming that pool of money that's devoted to employee compensation. And now there's less money left over to pay employees and give them wage increases. So wage stagnation in this country over the last 20 to 30 years has been greatly, greatly hampered. The wages have greatly been hampered by the high cost of health care. So what are the main pitfalls, Marshall, that are causing us to pay more than we should for health care? And what can we do about it? I think a starting point is that price variation that I've been talking about. And that's now being exposed by these hospital price transparency rules. But this variation exists all over the place. And again, there's, there's all these, um, I mean, I call them dirty secrets. I know that's kind of a cliche, but one of the dirty secrets about healthcare is that it's more standardized than you think. If you get a knee replacement, you could go to the Marquee Medical Center in your town and go to someplace that's, that's branded and ranked and much uh, more polished and shiny with a nice marble uh, atrium or something. You might pay $60,000 or something for a knee replacement there. You could go to a community hospital. You would get the same quality knee replacement, same components, same trained doctor, same trained operating room staff same positive outcome, and pay $20,000. So you don't get more for your money by spending more on healthcare. And so it's not like buying a new car, you know, where I've got, I've got a Honda and a Toyota in my driveway. If somebody spends a hundred grand and gets the Mercedes or a sports car or something, they're getting a much nicer car for their money. It's not like that with healthcare. So this price variation is built into all the drugs that we buy, all the tests that we get, imaging studies, lab tests, every, every medical service that's provided has the same wildly broad variation in price. So I think the variation in price is, is one, one area. Another one I point to is unnecessary care. They estimate that 25% of all healthcare is unnecessary. In other words, you get it and you didn't need it, but you're still going to pay for it. And so if we could just weed out the unnecessary care and if we could steer our care that, that our, our families need 
to the value-based providers who still provide excellent care, but at a reasonable price, we would reduce our healthcare costs in this country dramatically. We wouldn't have any more people uninsured. Our deductibles wouldn't be so high. Our premiums wouldn't be so high. And American families could start getting bigger paychecks. Like, wouldn't that be nice? But isn't isn't some of that caused by maybe litigation as well, where they're worried about getting sued? They're worried. So they ask for more tests. They ask for more things to be done, more procedures to be done so that they don't face that uh, litigation a little bit later. This uh, so-called defensive medicine is what they call it, right? That's a bogeyman that uh, a lot of the doctors love to use to justify all the excessive testing. But the truth is this. I have talked to hundreds of patients who have been harmed, suffered blatant medical errors. I've documented scores of these cases by reviewing the medical records, sharing the medical records with other experts. These patients can't get attorneys, And think about it from the attorney's perspective. If you're a medical malpractice attorney, you're taking these cases on a contingency basis. You only get paid if you win. Doctors and hospitals defend these cases tooth and nail. They don't roll over when they get a medical malpractice lawsuit. This idea that there are all these frivolous medical malpractice lawsuits, it's a myth that's being propagated by the healthcare industry to make people think that they're the victims. I'm telling you, these frivolous lawsuits in medical malpractice, I have looked for them, I have not found them. Most patients cannot get an attorney because the attorneys only want the cases if it's an absolute slam dunk medical error with a patient who has a high income so that they can show these economic damages because there's caps now on all the pain and suffering damages in most states. So what are the steps patients can take to make sure they don't get overcharged for their medical bills? Because I don't know of a person that hasn't gone to a hospital or a doctor at some point and they got overcharged for something. So this is, I think, maybe one of the most important parts of my book, Never Pay the First Bill. I think patients are so low on health literacy And I have talked to so many patients who are so smart. I know that they have the capability to learn this and to apply this knowledge. And so I wrote the book. It has eight chapters focused on educating patients so they can understand these pitfalls and how to avoid them. I think it's a game changer to up the health literacy for patients, just like we expect people to balance their checkbook, right? You have to learn the skill to navigate a medical bill. So let me explain the first thing everybody needs to do get an itemized medical bill. When you go to a hospital, they typically give you a lump sum payment for pharmacy and a lump sum payment for medical services. They don't break down all the costs. Well, you would never tolerate that if you went to the grocery store or if you went out to a nice restaurant. They break down. What are the things that that make up the total of your bill? Hospitals need to do the same thing. We have a right to an itemized medical bill because experts who review medical bills will tell you most of them contain some kind of an error. So you can then get that itemized bill. You can see, did all these things that I'm being charged for actually occur? The next thing you want to do is make sure that itemized bill has the billing codes. These billing codes are the lexicon that the hospital uses to translate the medical record into the claims they submit to insurance companies. When you have those bills You have like the Rosetta Stone to understand how the prices work. You can look up prices on hospital websites. As I mentioned, many hospitals are complying with the hospital price transparency rule. And you can also look them up on a website called fairhealthconsumer.org. Fair Health is a nonprofit 
that gathers the average of what other insurance companies are paying in every zip code. And then you can check your prices and you can see if your bill is priced fairly. And if your bill is inaccurate or unfairly priced, I have a chapter in my book that shows patients how to contest these bills. You want to call the billing department. You want to push back. You want to say there's no reason why this bill should be inaccurate or overpriced. I want the same price that other insured patients are getting. I don't want you to charge me three times the Medicare rate. How about one time the Medicare rate? And then I have a chapter, I even explain how to sue to protect yourself in small claims court. And I think this is the biggest game changer because (laughs) our constitution has given us a right to protect ourselves against unfair billing practices by powerful institutions. So you can file a case in small claims court for about $30. You don't need to have an attorney. If you follow the other steps I've laid out in the book, I show you how to gather the evidence you need to show that your bill is inaccurate or unfairly priced. There's an open price contract doctrine in our law that says, if you're not given a price up front, it's assumed that it will be a good faith price that is reasonable and customary. If your price is not reasonable and customary, you have a right under the law to defend yourself. And now think about it from their side. A hospital gets a sued by a patient in small claims court. Now they have to hire an attorney to defend themselves. That's going to cost hundreds yeah. of dollars an hour. Now they have to show up in court. Really? The CFO of the hospital or somebody's going to go down to the courthouse and meet you? No, they're going to settle that case with that patient out of court. They will come to a term that's fair for the patient. And I've seen it happen myself. I've been helping patients do it. And I've documented many other patients and patient advocates who have been doing the same thing. So all we need is for consumers to be equipped and empowered in this way. And it will be a game changer in terms of giving the consumers the leverage they need to defend themselves. And again, these are our constitutional rights. We just haven't been educated about how to use them and to put them into place. C-Suite Radio. Well, you mentioned patient advocate. I, I could not even imagine someone who has an elderly parent or yourself, you get catastrophically ill if you're, you know, indeed, you know, incapacitated some in any way, shape or form with some debilitating disease or in, infliction or whatever it might be. And you wouldn't have a patient advocate. First of all, that's a, something I would, I wouldn't make sure. Hey, what's the biggest bill you've ever seen? Oh, the biggest bill I've ever seen. I have seen and done a story about a patient who got one single bill for $898,000. This this was a young mom who was employed by a hospital system, actually, Dignity Health. She was a nurse for this hospital system. She had a premature baby, and she called three days after the baby was born. She herself, by the way, the baby was born premature. She was in the ICU. The mom was with complications. She called the third-party administrator that was administering the plan on behalf of her her employer, and she said, I want to add the baby to the plan. She thought that it was done. Well, it turns out that the employer required her to go into their HR employer portal and add the child within 30 days. And if she didn't do it through the HR portal, then the baby would not be covered. Well, she didn't find this out until after 30 days. They sent all those bills to this young mom. She appealed twice. She pled with the employer to cover her. This, again, is Dignity Health, a faith-based healthcare system that says that they want to share the healing ministry of Jesus Christ. They would not even take care of their own mom, who was a nurse in their facility, until I got involved. So her medical bills were over a million dollars. 
I got involved. I knew self-funded plans can make exceptions for people who don't follow their rules. They just have to be consistent in how they apply those exceptions. The IRS says that. So I knew that this wasn't right. I knew that this woman, this woman who was being bankrupted, frankly, she had appealed this, by the way, for a year and not gotten anything, Mm -hmm. anything changed. As soon as I called, the media gets involved. Well, then they made the correction. They fixed it. And by me making those calls, saved her literally $1 million in medical bills. So she jokes that she calls her baby her million-dollar baby. And thankfully, it didn't end up being a million dollars that sent her into bankruptcy. Thankfully, that was forgiven because the child got added to the health plan. But this happens all the time. The employers and the third-party administrators, the insurance carriers, the hospitals are extremely dismissive of the patients. And so the patients need to learn how the system works, how to advocate for themselves. And in this case, fortunately, I was able to get involved and do a story about it. So you spent 15 years investigating healthcare industry as a journalist. What is it about this industry that motivates you to take it on? What drives your passion for this? You know, it's interesting. I actually started my career in full-time ministry. So I did full-time ministry for five years. I got a master's degree in theology. And so I look at this morally. I really do. I look through the lens of morality. So this stuff I'm talking about, it's all legal. I mean, this is not illegal, but I would argue that it's unethical and that it's immoral to exploit people's sickness for profit. And again, profit profit is actually okay. Profiteering is the problem, right? There's a difference between a, a business making a fair profit, which they should be incentivized to do so they can innovate, so that they can be rewarded for their innovation. Mm-hmm. We want profit. Profit is good. Profiteering is bad. Unethical profit, exploitative profit, that's not good. And so it's been fascinating for me coming out of the ministry world with a deep a deep faith that I have to examine the medical industry and its practices and look at how this really unethical and immoral profiteering is baked into our American healthcare system. And it's not right. And the employers and the employees, I think, have the greatest power and potential and motivation to change it. Let me ask you a question. You're the, also the founder of Allen Health Academy. How are you equipping employers to navigate the system? And what are you, you know, what are we currently doing wrong? So Allen Health Academy is now taking my book, Never Pay the First Bill, and it's taking it and developing these same principles into an engaging health literacy video curriculum. So we're producing in the process of producing right now about 15 short videos that explains these principles. I'm calling it the Never Pay Pathway. And the idea is that employees would be able to get never pay certified. So they'd go through your HR department, you'd go through your health and health insurance advisor, your benefits team would subscribe to the videos for the employees so that they could get this base level and understanding about how the healthcare system works. So I have videos on how to apply for financial assistance with hospitals. A lot of people don't know how to do that or understand how readily available it is how to avoid unnecessary care, like the key questions to ask your doctor so you don't get overtreated. And then, of course, I have videos about how to contest these unfair bills, how to sue in small claims court, how to get your medical records, how to read an insurance company's explanation of benefits. It's demystifying the healthcare system, helping people see where the pitfalls are, and then helping them navigate it. And so those are in production right now. Those will be coming out in the coming months. You can go to my website, marshallallen.com, 
And I encourage people to go there, subscribe to my newsletter, and then you'll get the introduction of my book for free. And then you'll also see up to date where things are at with the production of the videos. So people who are interested can follow along there. And we're going to be rolling this thing out, man. I mean, I think that educating employers and employees is the greatest hope we have because people can save hundreds or even thousands of dollars with each healthcare interaction, the way they navigate the system. And then when visual saves, well, then the employer-sponsored health plan saves exponentially more the more equipped and empowered their employees are. So I just think this is something that hasn't been tried yet. And so I'm excited to launch into it and go for it. That's, that's fabulous. So we've got a, we've seen a lot of changes in the last number of years. I think there's more changes coming with you know a minute left. Do you think we're ever going to see the overhaul that we need so that more people are covered, uh, prices are lowered, we get better service? I mean, certainly in, the, in, in politics, we hear Obamacare, the Affordable Care Act. We hear all this noise that goes on out there. But do you think we're ever really going to see anything? I don't think we should be looking to the politicians to fix this problem for us. I think we've we've seen on both sides of the aisle that they're not going to do it. They haven't done it. I think, yes, we're going to see this change because people are feeling so much pain right now. And so we've seen disruption in other industries, the airline industry, the media industry, right? I mean, I came out of the newspaper world and the newspapers have been decimated by disruption. Why would the healthcare industry not be disrupted? Disruption is already happening. People who put these tactics into place, employers are saving 30 or 40% on their overall healthcare cost while improving the quality of care they give to their employees. It's happening already. And now people are learning that it's happening. My book shows how it's happening. And so we are already winning this. We just need, we need to move from the early adoption phase to the phase where the masses now get on board with it and cut out these middlemen who are marking up these costs and charging us so much money unjustifiably. You're listening to All Business with Jeffrey Hazlett, brought to you by C-Suite Radio, a podcast network featuring today's top business experts and is part of the C-Suite Network, the world's most trusted network of C-Suite executives. Find this and other business podcasts on C-Suite Radio this podcast is a part of the c-suite radio network for more top business podcasts visit c-suiteradio.com